0: You get an opportunity, you capitalize on the damn thing. How did you go from from mechanics to life coach? What was what was the connections there?
1: Yeah. So during the competition, it had already kind of started like that there was something else. Ah. And like one of the like one of the things for me is like looking around, like I'm on quote unquote on top of the world here. Oh yeah. Where are all the other women? Where where are they?
0: All right, so we're coming back at you with the second half of the Louise Conversation. And this segment has the significant learning as a result of a painful misstep from it. And guys, if y'all take in, when I say guys, I mean men. If you take anything from this conversation, what I hope you take is that we can do better because we can. It is within us to support, promote, amplify, encourage the women that are entering in the trades. And it's our responsibility. Uh, So step it up, man. Here we go to Miss Louise.
1: Where, like, and I was asking around other male-dominated competitions, you know, whatever, whatever. And the and my competition was kind of like, wow, we've got like we've we've beat everyone in like terms of the first girl and stuff. I'm like, why why is that a competition? Why am I the first girl? Well, like it's twenty seventeen guys. Where where are the other
0: women? You, no shit, twenty seventeen <clears throat> and you're the first woman to compete at the world the international competition.
1: With, with heavy vehicle mechanics. And I think at that time there hadn't been any female light vehicle competitors either, so that was a different competition. But in their stream I don't think they had any women at that level. Spray painting is I think the most, like the male-dominated one with the most women in it at the moment at the international level and a lot of them have taken out medals nice. um, there. But, yeah, I was kind of like where are all the other women? Like at the beginning I was probably my most confident in my first year in terms of I didn't have any imposter syndrome. I didn't think like, I was like, what is this sexist thing? Like that doesn't exist. Everyone treats me equally kind of thing. Yeah. But then as I moved through it, yeah. and let's be honest, as a female in a trade, some of the guys treat you a bit more like an object rather than a person. Sure. So I started coming across that, and then that started creeping into my self doubt. As you know, as as a teenage girl, you've got all those things that usually girls are going through in high school—body image, all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. And I was going through that in a mechanics workshop, and like we know how men talk when they all get together, and that was kind of like what I was picking up on at that age. So that all kind of started going in, and. Then I ended up making it out the other side. Like, I'll be honest with you, I did become suicidal during my apprenticeship just because I was just like, this is too much, I can't handle yeah. it. And that's not uncommon. It's not uncommon for the guys and the girls. It's uh, it's a lot to go through that kind of that phase of your life where you're so um, easily imprinted in an environment that can be so harsh for even the adults.
0: Very harsh. Yes.
1: Yeah. So even, like, coming there was the thought, like, where are the women? Like, why is this so hot? Like, why are we treated so badly? Why do I have all these thoughts? What's going on with my mental health? Why don't tradies get any professional development? Like, I was starting to have all of those questions. And, like, previously before the competition all started, um, where I had been working had taken on a deaf apprentice. So I was about a third year and he was coming in a mature age apprentice, deaf, first year. And I don't know sign language, but I remember this instance where I was teaching him how to do a bearing roll. So underneath a truck, we were lying on the floor, lying on, car- on cardboard, and I was teaching him how to change the bearings in the engine. And we couldn't talk to each other because he didn't speak, he was nonverbal, he couldn't hear nothing. Um, so we were writing down, pointing, like all that kind of stuff, and I taught him how to do this job underneath a truck without being able to communicate like typically with him and I just remember that feeling of being like shit like look at me passing on this knowledge that I've learned to yes. someone I can't even talk to like it was just like an amazing feeling and that thought of that feeling had stuck with me through all of these experiences like the mental health challenges that that teaching feeling yes and I had learned all these things and by that time I had a few friends you know commit suicide or that that kind of friends, you know, leave the industry because of harassment, the suicide, the, you know, I can't do this. Like I'm going to go get an easier job where I don't have it, that much pressure. And that's where I started. I've become a trainer and assessor. Um, So I was a technical teacher. I was working for the Caterpillar dealer um in my area. Then like through that as well, like I was like, look, I'm teaching. Like this is the formal position of people who like to teach do, right? Yep. 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 <laughs> but even in that, it was kind of like, no, there's more. Like the students, like I remember like just coaching them on their personal life before they could even be in a headspace to take in any technical information. And they didn't feel like they could talk to their supervisors. They didn't feel like they can talk to their managers. They didn't feel like they could talk to HR, like all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, so who's doing that? And during COVID, I discovered the world of coaching and like the online business side of things and that kind of thing and all the webinars and professional development. And I'm like, So who's doing this for tradies? And then I'm looking around and like, well, no one. So I was like, cool, let's, let's see if we can do this.
0: (laughs) Of course you did. Wow.
1: Yeah.
0: And then you started doing it.
1: Yeah. So I ended up leaving full time. So I had already been asked to speak at different events and like kind of run workshops and stuff like that. Um, from previous mentors and connections who had seen me come through the the world skills, so world skills kind of gave me a bigger network, a pretty big platform, um, a lot of kind of merit to my name. Yeah, so I was getting kind of opportunities organically without trying, and then it was kind of like, oh, I actually like this part of running workshops and inspiring. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up leaving full time work and then going and becoming a contractor for training and assessment. And then starting working on whatever this would look like. So kind of now it looks like one-on-one coaching, it looks like running workshops, and it looks like speaking at events doing like keynotes and seminars.
0: How uncomfortable was getting your pricing established?
1: It's still, it's let's be honest, we're still in it. We're it. <laughs> does that ever go away?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I hope it does, girl. I hope it does. But it's like mm-hmm.
1: it's
0: it's this funky thing, right? For me, serving people, helping people, sharing the gifts that I've been blessed with is extremely fulfilling.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, to be able to do this full time requires a certain type of pricing. Um, And also the impact that, that it has like meanings on a person's life or multiple people's life is deep and important, but it still does it like, it's still like, man, I, I'm not dude, this pricing thing. I'm really not like what I really, really need is like a manager to represent me and, and set my pricing and they have all those conversations and I just show <laughs> up and do the thing. Wouldn't that be better?
1: That, that that's the goal but for now <laughs> we got to keep doing that ourselves
0: <laughs> yes well congratulations on man that's an amazing amazing path so and so that's all of this has happened in what 12 13 years yeah,
1: about 12 years so I started working full-time in 2012 but I started looking for a job in 2011 so that's kind of really I see like that 2011 trial and error to get my job as the start. So it's been about 12 years.
0: Oh my goodness. That's like lightning speed. So in this 12 to 13 year time frame, I imagine you've made some missteps that mm-hmm. you learned, had some big lessons from. So would you mind sharing like one of those significant missteps that left a mark on you forever, but, that you carry forward and help you experience the quality of life that you're having now?
1: Yeah. So I'll share, I'll share two. One of them's Mm. quick. So one time I was, you know, keen and young and, you know, know how to do everything, going to do some overtime for some easy cash. And I put on this sump and the sump had a rail around it. So the oil pan and it had a rail around it. And I thought it was symmetrical Ah. I was wrong. So I put it up, tighten a bolt, and there was this big crack. I pulled oh. it down, cracked in half, you know, oh. and I'm looking at it and it says front in big <laughs> letters on it. <laughs> like I don't think it could have been any bigger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, go to my supervisor, he's like, oh, we'll sort it out in the morning. I found out that there was none of these rails in the country. So, you know, oh. had to see that bus there for a few weeks while that come in. So it really got stuck in there. Yes. So just that simple thing of like looking before you do something, you know. <laughs>
0: That'll stick with you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That'll oh. stick with yeah.
0: yeah.
1: So the, another like more, not as funny, um, but <laughs> when I was a first, <laughs> when I was a first year apprentice, like, like I said, 15, you know, most of the other guys, 15, 16, you know, 18, all that kind of stuff. And there was another a male apprentice, and I ended up getting into a relationship with him. He was same year, apprenticeship as me. And he had told me to keep it a secret because he didn't want it to affect work. Okay. So I was like, awesome, cool, whatever. We, like, we ended it, whatever. A few years later, I'd started hearing rumours. And one of the girls come up to me, and she's like, did you hook up with this guy? He's going around and telling everyone that he got you. Mm. And, like, just having, like, I was probably, like, 18 when this had come to the, so 15 when the relationship had happened, 18 when it all come to the surface, and he had been going around telling everyone that he had got me. So I was, like, in my head, I was, like, I'm part of the problem of why people think women get into the trades to get with guys. I was mm. like, that's what I was telling myself over and over again. I'm part of the problem. I'm part of the problem. And that's part of the the cause that had ended up me being like leading to be suicidal. From there I had like, you know, started building my confidence back up, like just, you know, focusing on my work, building up back up. And then I ended up becoming really good friends with one of the guys in the workshop. And I was like, no, look, this is evidence. People respect me as a person. Like I've got this really good friend, like, you know, back up kind of thing. And then one of the guys, like another mechanic, had come and said, oh, you're just going to do it all again. Like what you did in first year, you're going to do it all again. And I was like, no, I'm not. Like I'm just friends with this guy. And I was like, cool, he's my friend. I'll, I'll ask him, like, you know, in case he's been saying anything. And he's like, oh, yeah. Like also another thing I've, I missed that I forgot to say is so he, the first year guy, he was like, oh, don't tell anyone because, like, we don't want it to affect work. I found out that he had a girlfriend the whole time.
0: Ah. A bit later on. Yeah, another yeah, surprise. Yeah. Yep.
1: So that 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 in there too. Um, so yeah, fast forward a few years later, asked my mate and I was like, look, this is what this guy's saying. Like like what what do you have to say about? He's like, oh yeah, like I actually would want to like kind of go out with you, whatever. And like, you know, be the same as like you were in first year referencing that he had a girlfriend and he was planning on keeping her. And then, like, having me on the side. But this was, like, a work colleague that had, like, built my confidence back up in myself mm. as a mechanic. And then it all just started going downhill again. I was like, yeah, I'm part of the problem. Like, I think I have friends, but then these guys are saying these kinds of things to me. Like, all these rumours are going around. Like, just because I did this thing in first year where I fought, like, you know, the teenager, you think you know everything. Yep. Um, part of that. Yeah. <laughs> um but going from there, and then I was just, you know, over and over again, I'm part of the problem. I'm part of the problem. And, you know, I, obviously I pulled myself back out of it. I had mentors and friends that helped pick me up again. Yeah. But just realising, like, in that, like, you know, if a girl asked me, like, should I go out with a guy at work? Like, I'm like, my recommendation is, is no, but honestly, I have friends who are now married with kids, with guys they work with. Mm-hmm. So my kind of thing from that is you do whatever you think is right in the moment, like we all do, but even if it is, quote, unquote, a mistake, you're still worthy. Like mm. it doesn't affect your trade. It doesn't affect your technical skills. It doesn't affect whether or not you should be here. Like, yeah, you had a relationship that fell apart and you just happened to work together. That, that yeah. That's it. Whereas, yeah. like, so, like, we get so much shame from that. Like, I feel like I, like, I still feel it a bit like it was just so strong for me back then and all the shame that I put onto myself, like, saying I'm part of the problem. But really, like, this just happened. You're two consenting adults. This is what happened. And, no, you're still a good mechanic. You're still a good electrician. You're still good at whatever you do. But yeah, you made a relationship mistake. It doesn't mean anything about you and if you should be here.
0: Oh, I love it. You're still worthy, 100%. 100%. And there's all kinds of people with all kinds of education. They're making dumb relationship decisions, right? Like, and some of us make the same one over and over and over. (laughs) over. (laughs) like to practice.
1: That's it. But it doesn't affect your skill. Like I've, like another kind of, not, not my, like it wasn't, it's not a mishap really, but I've got, I've had two girls that have come through my coaching and they returned to work after having kids. Mm. So they're, they're both electricians actually. And they're like, oh, my kid's sick. People are gonna think I'm shit at my job. And I'm like, no, like your technical knowledge doesn't fall out of your ear if your kid needs to be picked <laughs> up from preschool. Like
0: <laughs> But that's how we respond, right? Like yeah. that's how we think I say we because I've I've had a lot of um experience with the legal system. Mm-hmm. Right. So I've made some decisions, very selfish, very short-sighted decisions that kept me in trouble with the law for a lot of my years. And yes, I needed to change my behavior. So I wouldn't be getting arrested anymore, but it didn't all of a sudden mean that all the knowledge I had spilled out when they had the handcuffs on me, I still had that now. And I'm grateful for that, right? Like I'm grateful that the experience and the knowledge and, and all that stuff didn't get taken away from me. Cause it's like the most valuable thing. Um, but in my head, I was less than, but that's why when you said you're still worthy, like that landed because it took, it took a few reps for me to actually figure out that, okay, this is not, these things aren't, I'm, I'm the connection point, but they're not connected. One doesn't devalue the other one. I just need to get my head, my stuff worked out. So two things
1: like two things can exist at the same time. Like, yeah, you can be in trouble with the law, but yet you can still be like a really great plumber. Like those two aren't mutually exclusive.
0: hundred percent. Oh, man, you're making me feel better. Thank you. You must be a life coach.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's my job. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so perfect. I love it.
0: Oh, my goodness. All right, Louise. So. The closing question is, and I, oh, I I'm really, really looking forward to your response. What footprint do you intend to leave on the world?
1: Mm-hmm. I think that every choice can be a good choice. Mm. Every option can be a good option. that's that's it. Like I think in my in my time, I spend a lot of the time saying, no, I don't want to be a housewife. That's, that's a bad option, but it's not, it's just an option that wasn't for me. And because I felt like I was almost like society was forcing me into that option. I made it a bad option, Ah. but it's not, it's just an option. Some people want to do that and some people don't.
0: Yeah. So they're neutral and we get to make them or
1: not. You get to choose them. You get to choose like, the the Muslim, like this is an area that I have experience in, but I know they have a lot of, you know, everyone has a thought about it. But Muslim women who wear the hijab, yes, that's an option. It shouldn't mean anything about them as a person. It's just you do or you don't.
0: Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. That's a whole lot. That's a whole kind of that's a whole there, thing. Right? the stuff that like the expectations that So on one hand, I know I'm guilty of imposing my expectations on people. I I do that. What I'm more guilty of is accepting the expectations of others, Mm -hmm. right? imposing pressure on myself because of what I think other people might be thinking. Mm -hmm. And like those things I have control over, like other people's expectations. I really don't. But really, where does all the pressure and the static come from? It comes from from me. Like, I'm mm-hmm. doing it to myself. Yeah. Um, oh my well, god! We're talking about
1: it as well, like with trades, college versus trades. Both good options. It's just what option is good for you right
0: now. Oh, amazing! So no judgment either way. Pick the one that feels best and and roll with it. And if That's it don't it. work, you could change your mind later, huh?
1: That's it. You can't. <laughs> We've just solved all the world's problems. We're <laughs> oh, <you're>,
0: amazing. <laughs> oh my goodness. So Miss Louise, is there anybody, any folks out there that you want to give a shout out to, show some love and recognition for their contribution to your path?
1: Yeah, so my parents for having my back. Mm-hmm. My siblings, so I'm the oldest of four my siblings were putting up with mum taking me to her from work while I didn't have my licence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And my so I, one of my best friends at the moment and my original first mentor, he was the one who had faith in me. He was on the in- interview panel when I come in as a 15-year-old girl applying wow. for a heavy vehicle apprenticeship and he said, yeah, let's give her a shot. Now, 12 years later, he's one of my best mates. And, yeah, to him for giving me that first shot.
0: Yes. And I'm grateful to him as well. And, the, and all the folks that you just shouted out to, because, I mean, your story, current state is like, oh, my goodness, that's like super, super fancy, awesome life coach, international competitor. But it wasn't it's not a highlight reel, right? Like you've overcome some tremendous uh, issues with within yourself and with like real life stuff that you've continued to persevere. Um, and I think again, I think you're a phenomenal ambassador example for not just women, but for craft professionals, period, mm-hmm. about what can happen, like what the potential that we have within ourselves that we can access by being in the right environment, which in our case is the trades. Yes. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, I appreciate you very much, Mit Louise. Did you have fun?
1: Yes, it was a good chat.
0: <laughs> it it was. It was. Well, I appreciate you making the time, last minute, short notice. Now I know why it was so easy for you to say yes. Because this is nothing compared to being asked to compete a week before the competition. So you're like, yeah, small potatoes. Let's have a call. Yeah. No big deal. <laughs> well, there you have it. Ms. Louise and I have solved all the world's problems. They're all decisions or neutral. It's just a matter of what we decide, of what we pick, what we choose, what we learn, and what we do with it going forward. It's kind of a joke. I don't think we solve all the world's problems. I don't know if you caught that there at the end. I got super lucky to be able to interview her before she went on her world tour. Um, I know she she brings a lot to the world, and I'm sure there's a lot of people pulling on her time. And I'm grateful to Miss Louise for making the time and, and sharing her amazing story with you guys. And if the energy in this conversation leaves you wanting more... And you ain't scared of having a mind-shifting experience. I invite you to check out Emotional Bungee Jumpers. There's a little video on the website right now. The link's down in the notes. Click on that bad boy. Watch the video so you can get an idea of what the Emotional Bungee Jumpers is about. And I promise you, it is a mind-shifting experience. Remember, sharing is caring. Be cool, and we'll talk at you next time. Peace! Man, you are one dedicated listener sticking with us all the way through to the very, very end. Please know that this podcast dies without you, and we invite you to share how the episode's impacting you, along with your thoughts, questions, and suggestions. You've been gracious with your time, so we added social media links in the show notes to make it super easy for you to connect with us. Be kind to yourself. Stay cool. And we'll talk at you next time.